Welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Josh Havman. I am the executive pastor here at Grace. And today we are continuing in our series on Philippians. It is called Identity, Recovering Our True Selves. And if you were around for last week's message, it was Pastor Jason, and he introduced our series. And he talked a lot about all of the different ways that you might identify as Christians. He talked about the different types of people who are part of the church. And today we're going to continue with that with the first few verses in Philippians. And we're going to be talking about our identity, um, and specifically our identity as saints, which is something that Pastor Jason talked about last week, uh, and we'll talk about it in more detail today, talking about the first few verses in the book of Philippians. So when we talk about being saints, and we talk about what you might do as a Christian, we're going to be talking about specifically how you are a partner in the gospel, and what your purpose is as a saint or as a Christian, as a member of God's church. Now, you might not call yourself a saint. You might not call yourself a Christian. And so if that's you this morning or today, uh, I want to talk to you specifically first before we get going, because most of this message, most of what I talk about today is going to be about uh, your role as a Christian. So if you don't think of yourself as a Christian, let's, let's talk, about, uh, talk to you a minute uh, as we begin. If there's no sin, there's no need for a savior. I've said this before. Other pastors here at Grace have said this before. And if you don't call yourself a Christian, there's a good chance that you think that you don't need to be because you don't think there's any sin. And the reason I bring this up, this idea that if there's no sin, there's no need for a savior, I want to address that with you as we start because it's possible that that's what you think, that you think about yourself, I don't sin, I'm not a bad person. And if that's true, then there's no need for a savior and you're probably right to make that call, to to say that about yourself, to say that about the world even. But our experience is that there is sin and that there is death. In fact, death is inevitable. Our experience tells us that everyone dies. The people who we think of as good, the people we think of as evil, uh, everyone dies. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, it, it doesn't matter. And sin, in as much as we want to be good people, it's always affecting our lives. This, this uh, temptation to do the wrong thing, evil, all of it is all around us all the time. So it's true that if you don't sin, you don't need a savior, but our experience is that sin is real. And so if that's you this morning, if you're saying, I don't need a savior because I don't sin, I want to challenge you with this, uh, that sin and death are real. And so if they are real, then you do need a savior. And I want to challenge you this morning to ask, where is your salvation coming from? Because in Philippians, we see uh, that Paul has called uh, these people to believe in Christ. He's shared the gospel with them. If we go back to Acts chapter 16, we see the first interaction that Paul has with the Philippian church. And in that interaction, uh, he says to one of the new believers, uh, who person who becomes a new believer, this jailer, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so it's that simple. If that's where you find yourself today, if you say, I don't know that I need a savior, I want to challenge you, uh, what what are you going to do about all of the sin in the world? What are you going to do about the inevitability of death? I think you do need a savior. And if you do, I, I offer to you the same thing that Paul offers to the Philippians, which is Jesus Christ. He can be your savior just by you believing in him. So if that's you this morning, if that's, uh, if that's how we're starting out with you thinking, I don't really need a savior, this isn't about me, I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, do I actually need a savior? I think you do. 
And I think Jesus is the answer. So I'm offering him to you. That's how we're starting today. Uh, If you want to be saved, then I ask you to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he says everyone who does will be saved. And if you have questions about that, talk to us. We want to talk to you about that. So like I said, the rest of what I'm going to tell you today about Philippians is largely for those who have believed. If you haven't yet believed or if you're deciding today to believe, contact us. We want to talk to you about that. But for the rest of you and for the rest of this talk, let's talk about what it means to be a partner uh, in the gospel and to have a purpose in the gospel. So here are the four things we're going to talk about today. Number one, we're going to talk about being set apart, being saints, being a people of God's own choosing. That's the first thing we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to be a saint? Uh, We have some ideas about what sainthood looks like, and they're probably wrong. So let's talk about what it means to be a saint. We're also going to talk about the fact that saints aren't necessarily servants. You can be a saint called, set apart by God, and not doing what God has called you to do. So we want to talk about that this morning. Uh, And for those who are uh, saints, who are called and set apart and are choosing to serve, there are a couple of things that define that service. So we want to look at two things. Number one, what it looks like to form partnerships with other saints, to be partners uh, with other men and women and children for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus Christ. And then also, to be a saint who serves is somebody who is taking on Christ's purpose as their own. And I just, I just said something that's key here that I want everybody to pay attention to as I talk is that if you are a saint who doesn't serve, there is one uh, path, one way that your faith life looks. And if you are a saint who serves, there is a different one. And so these are the two things that are going to characterize your faith life, if you're serving, you're going to form partnerships with other believers. And then also you're going to have a purpose that is the same as Christ's. So as we get started, please pray with me uh, that we might pursue God's will for us in this word. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to explore your word that you've written down for us, Lord, through faithful believers, what it is you want us to know about yourself and about uh, the world that you've made and our role in it. Give us clarity from your word about our role in your world, Lord, about the purpose that you have for us, about what it looks like to serve as your people. Not only clarity, Lord, but give us direction for our lives. Help us to know your will. You say that we can know your will uh, when we give ourselves up completely to you. So we ask that that would happen today, that we would give ourselves up completely to you, and that you would lead us uh, through these words and through our days. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so I said to you that Paul calls his, uh, his audience here in Philippians saints, and so we need to understand what it means to be a saint. A saint is, according to the definition of Scripture, it is a person or people who are set apart, a people of God's own choosing. Here's how it comes across in Philippians 1. 1 uh, I'm just going to read to you from Philippians here. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, To all of the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, and verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul addresses the Philippians as saints. And who are the Philippians? Like I said, the first message in this series was the previous message, and it was Pastor Jason. And he told us that the first 
uh, the first members of the church in Philippi, they really represented the whole spectrum of the Christian body. So the people that are called out in Acts chapter 16, you can go and read about this interaction with Paul and Silas and Timothy with the first Christians in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. And the first Christians called include a woman whose name is Lydia, and she is most likely a wealthy upper-class woman. She is from uh, east of Philippi, so she would be from the the Near East, the Middle East. And she is a upper-class woman who's a dealer in purple cloth, wealthy upper-class woman. There's also this young girl who has been possessed and has been used by her owner. She's enslaved uh, to tell fortunes. Because of her possession, she's able to understand the future, and her slave owners have been abusing her and using her, and Paul sets her free, releases her from this demon by the power of Jesus, and so she becomes a member of this church. So this lower-class slave girl And then you have this jailer, probably a middle-class, lower-middle-class man and his family who also come to accept the gospel. They are also saints. So upper-class woman, lower-class girl, slave girl, and middle-class family, all of these are saints. And so that's not every possible person, but it's a good spectrum of people, and that should encompass all of us. Uh, And so when we think of who saints are, we need to think of all of the members of the body of Christ. Not just young, not just old or rich or poor or any class of people, but all of the members of the body of Christ. Because that's who God thinks of when he is speaking to Paul, when Paul is speaking with God's words, that's who he's talking about. And that's probably different from what you've understood a saint to be. Especially if you're from a Catholic tradition, uh, you've probably understood a saint to be a person who's specifically called out for their holiness or specifically called out for their miracle working. And that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says a saint is just a person called by God to believe in God. This is the way that Peter talks about it. We're going to look also at 1 Peter 2.9. Um, in Peter and 1 Peter, uh, Peter says, You are a chosen race, a holy nation. You're a people set apart by God's own choosing for his possession, set apart uh, for his workmanship or for his, uh, to do his work. And you're called to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. This is uh, 1 Peter 2. And in this passage, Peter is saying, here is the purpose for saints. You're called, uh, you're set apart, you're holy because God has called you holy. And your purpose is to do his work and to tell other people what he has done in you. So do his work and also share with people the work that he has done in you. This is what it is to be a saint. And so this is who Paul calls us to be. This is who we should understand ourselves to be because this is who God understands us to be. That's important. If we don't think of ourselves as saints, it's probably for good reason. Like I said earlier, we are sinners and there is sin in the world. And so that's going to impact the way we think about ourselves. It's going to make us feel bad about ourselves. But when Jesus looks at us, he does not see our sin because Jesus' death on the cross is a complete solution for our sin. He dies so that we don't have to. He takes that death upon himself and he cancels the written debt that we have right by sinning. So we should think of ourselves as saints because Jesus who died in our place thinks of us as saints, as people called, set apart for his purpose. That's what it means to be a saint. Now, we can be saints and not necessarily be serving. So I'm also going to look at Second Peter. Um, this, the first passage that I, that I read to you a minute ago was from First Peter. Now we're going to go to Second uh, Peter. Uh, 
and we're going to look at chapter 1 and verse 1. Peter says, uh, I am Simon Peter. I am a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Who's Peter? Peter is one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. He's one of the people who walks with Jesus Christ. Uh, He is one of the three closest disciples. We get in the Gospels all kinds of stories about Peter um, and John specifically being very close, right? Peter, James, and John being very close with Jesus. So Peter, who is one of the closest disciples to Jesus, writes to uh, believers and he says, you are people who have a faith that's equal to mine. You have equal standing with me. And that's what it means to be a saint also is that you have equal standing with other Christians before God. There's no hierarchy of faith. You're not a uh, better saint or a worse saint. You're simply a saint if you're called by God according to his purpose. But here's the difference. You might be serving as God calls you to serve, or you might not be serving as God calls you to serve. So I'm going to continue reading here in 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Peter says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you, and also in the knowledge of God, because he is our Lord, and his divine power has been granted to us in all things, that we might uh, have life and godliness, right? That we might have knowledge about him. This is who God has called us to be. This is how God has called us to live. And we are saints like Peter. We are uh, having equal standing like Peter. We have a faith like his. And here is the purpose for this faith. It's not that we would just have it, not that we would just be saints, but that we would have it for a purpose. And here's what he says about it. Uh, starting in verse 5, 2 Peter 1 verse 5, for this very reason uh, that you have this faith, make every effort to supplement that faith with virtue and then supplement the virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For these qualities are yours and are increasing and they are to keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a way, in other words, in which you can be ineffective and unfruitful as a saint. And Peter says, I don't want that to be the case for you. So you can be a saint and not be serving as God has called you to serve. And Peter lists out all these different ways that you can reassure yourself that you are serving. He says, if you are ineffective, and I'm going to read now verse uh, 9, he says, if you're ineffective, whoever lacks those qualities, they're ineffective and they're nearsighted to the point of becoming blind. It's like they've forgotten what they have in Christ. They've started to think of themselves as their former selves and not as their new selves. Because when we are dead with, uh, with Christ in our sins, right, our old self is dead also. We need to stop thinking of ourselves that way. We need to start thinking of ourselves as new creations in Christ. So if we are being ineffective, it's probably because we're still thinking of ourselves in that old light. And Peter is warning uh, his readers here, don't do that. Instead, take that sainthood that you have from Christ and work to make sure that you are living as Christ called you to live. Not because it's your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. But he says here in 2 Peter, he says, "Don't, don't stop there. You have that gift. Now take it. And he says, work to make that faith more confident in, in your whole life and everything that you do. And he lists out all these different qualities on um, these, these things 
about um, being knowledgeable and adding to knowledge, self-control and self-control, steadfastness and all of these things. This is helping us to live out that faith, that saintlyhood uh, in a more confident way so that we can be servants. And if you'll notice, um, I'm not going to turn back right now in the scripture, but both Peter and Paul here in their introduction, they call themselves servants of Christ Jesus. So yes, they're saints. We have faith like theirs. We're saints together, but they're also servants. So what does that service lead to? What does it add up to? That's the question we have to ask ourselves because this is what Peter and Paul are both calling themselves. So let's see what it would take for us to call ourselves that as well. Saints who serve are going to form partnerships with each other. We're going to see that here in a second as we look at Philippians again. And Christ is going to work in them to make them partners one with another. And he's going to see the work through to completion. That's important for us. And it's, it's because he desires for us to work together to accomplish his purpose that he's going to do this. So let's go back to Philippians. We've been in Second Peter. Let's go back to Philippians here um, and start reading in uh, Philippians 1. And uh, starting in verse 6, this is what Paul says. He says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's Jesus, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ returns. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So a saint who serves, um, a, a saint like Paul, a saint like Peter, is somebody who is willing to, is actively seeking to form partnerships with other saints. We know that this is uh, not necessarily a work we desire for ourselves, but it's one that Jesus desires for us and that he accomplishes in us. Look what it says there in verse chapter six. Uh, I'm sorry, in <laughs> chapter one, verse six, Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, Jesus, will bring it about to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So this is something that Jesus is doing in us, but in order for us uh, to see it realized, we have to submit ourselves to him. He wants this for us. He wants us to be partners together, like the Philippians are partners with Paul, but he, he wants us to submit so that his power can be made manifest in us and he can accomplish this. Because this is what uh, it looks like if we read on in Philippians we're going to see multiple ways, and we will read on in Philippians as we go through this series, we'll see multiple ways in which the Philippians partner with Paul. And he calls out two here. He says, uh, first of all, as uh, partakers of me with grace in my imprisonment, and then also in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he's going to lay out two here. We'll talk about those more in a minute. But in, in specific, we need to be partners because a servant is not somebody who's doing something for their own uh, purpose or will. A servant is somebody who's doing something for the will of their master. And it is the will of our master, of Jesus, that we would be partners one with another, that we would work together with other members of the body. He gave us all of the members of the body. He gave us uh, people with different giftings, with the giftings of uh, teaching and of preaching, with giftings of listening, right, and of being empathetic and caring and loving, of serving, of going, all kinds of different giftings. He doesn't want us to do this by ourselves. He wants us to be partners one with another. So if we're going to be saints who serve, not uh, ineffective, as it said previously, right, as Peter said, and becoming blind and thinking about ourselves in the old way, but being effective, we need to think about ourselves as members of a body who work together. That's part of what it means to be a saint who serves. 
That's not it, though. So saints who serve form partnerships with other saints, but saints who serve also find their purpose and fulfillment in Christ's purpose and the way that he is fulfilled. And that's important for us today because while we are saints and we can possibly think of ourselves as saints, the flesh is still going to tempt us into finding our own unique individual purpose. And that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking us to find our own unique individual purpose in him. And so in a very real way, all of us share the same purpose, which is Christ to do the will of the Father just as Christ did the will of the Father. That's our purpose. Now, we're going to do it differently because we have different gifts. And we're going to seek to accomplish uh, those gifts in different ways because we have different lives and different strengths. And we're going to form partnerships differently and form different partnerships. All of that is true. But it has to be Christ's purpose over and above ours. And so if we're going to be a saint who serves, it's not just about partnerships, but it's maybe more importantly about having the purpose that Christ has for us. We're going to make Christ's purpose our own. The fellowship of grace, the body of Christ, it exists to provide support and to spread the gospel. We see that in uh, in chapter 1 of Philippians here in verse 7. And this is the way Paul describes their partnerships. He says, it's right for me to feel this way, um, thanking God and all of his remembrance of the Philippians. It's right for him to feel that way because they are partakers together of grace Um, The Philippians are with Paul, both in his imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. How would we divide those up? Those might be thought of as in practical ways. Um, In his imprisonment, this is a very practical need that Paul has. He's been imprisoned, and he's reaching out to the Philippian church who he helped bring into the faith, and he's saying, I have physical needs. Can you send me people? Can you send me food? Can you send me resources? Because I'm imprisoned. And so this is a physical partnership that but Paul has with the Philippians, and that's a very practical way in which he is making, uh, they are together making Christ's purpose their own. They're saying it is good for the defense and proclamation of the gospel that Paul be in prison right now, and that comes with some physical needs, and so we're going to help support that. But then more broadly, uh, in verse 7, we see that it's about the defense and confirmation of the gospel in everyday life. So Paul hopes, he, he plans, in fact, to be out of prison at some point. And when he is out of prison, he is still going to need support. He's still going to need prayer and encouragement. And so that's also what making Christ's purpose our own looks like, is just supporting one another in the confirmation and the defense and the spread of the gospel. So it's not just a partnership to, to be partners. It's not just a service uh, to say that we're serving, but it's to do the work of uh, Jesus Christ, the, the work of the Father, the work that God the Father sent Jesus to do. So that's, that's why we have this, uh, this partnership with other members of the body. It's so that we can do the will of the Father, just like Jesus came to do the will of the Father. So this is what it looks like. It looks like um, abounding more and more in love toward one another. If we're going to look at verse uh, 8 and 9 here, it says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Um, Going on to verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's not just uh, so that the gospel would be spread and, and that's sort of generally a good thing, but no, God is sanctifying all of us through this. He's drawing us closer to himself. He is redeeming the world bit by bit. Uh, We're going to read in Colossians here in a minute. 
In Colossians, it says that Jesus Christ is reconciling everything to himself through his blood shed on the cross. And this is what it looks like. It looks like you and I, it looks like young and old, all of the members, all of the different saints uh, coming together and submitting their will to Christ's. It looks like all of us laying down our purpose at his feet and taking up his purpose instead. Forming partnerships with one another, not being content to do this by ourselves, thinking of ourselves as saints and not as sinners, not as men, not as women, but as children of God, first and foremost, so that we can do the will of the Father. And then the result is, right, his prayer for us, Paul's prayer for the Philippians and certainly God's desire for us is that we grow through this. And here's what it looks like. It looks like the love that we have for each other and for God increasing. So it, it, it's like uh, I love my, my family. I love them um, with an affection that comes from being a father and a husband and a son. And that's good. That's, that's genuine love and affection. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's all I have for my family is my natural affection for them as father and husband and son, then it's going to run out. They're going to uh, anger me. They're going to frustrate me. I'm going to anger them and frustrate them. And we'll be at odds with each other. And we'll be mean to each other. And then we'll be awful to each other. Because that natural affection is not sufficient. But when we have Christ's affection, when we have Christ's spirit in us and empowering us, then love can abound. It can grow. It can develop more and more. And that love leads to other things. It leads to, it says here in verse 9, um, leading to knowledge and discernment. We don't usually think about that, uh, that order of operations going that way. We usually think it's more about um, knowing the right thing and then doing the right thing. And here the scripture is telling us that you may know the right thing and not be doing the right thing. You might know intellectually that you're a saint and not be serving. So here's what I want for you. I want you to serve because in your service, in your, in your obedience, uh, your love is going to abound because you're, you're going to be working through the power of my Holy Spirit. And so if my Holy Spirit is in you and working through you, then you're going to serve better, more. And as a result, your love will abound more and that will lead to knowledge and discernment. So it isn't that you can't have knowledge and discernment leading to love. They, they certainly can work that way. But here he's saying that you don't need to wait for that. You don't need to wait for knowledge to increase in order for love to increase. Rather, love work by the power of my spirit, and that will lead to knowledge and discernment. And it's also true that service um, is not going to be static. In other words, if you're, not, uh, if you're not growing and maturing and learning, you're probably pursuing a purpose other than God's. So if you're serving, you're going to be changing. You should expect that. So if you're not changing, and, and here's what it might look like. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, if you're not changing, you probably have a problem. Here's what not changing looks like in service. I, uh, I became a Christian 20 years ago, and I started serving in uh, the coffee ministry, and I've been serving in the coffee ministry faithfully, doing the exact same thing every week for 20 years, and uh, I am a servant of Christ. Now, that's, that's great in terms of longevity, but it's not necessarily great in terms of you growing and abounding in love and knowledge and discernment. And here's why. Because God wants to use you uh, to form new partnerships. He wants to use you to advance his purpose. And it's not that he can't use you in the same place over a long period of time. Uh, for many of us, he will. The, the problem there is when you think that the, the goal is just longevity of service or the goal is just stability. Um, in fact, the goal is always going to be the advancement of the gospel. 
And so if you are in fact advancing the gospel in that coffee ministry for 20 years, praise the Lord. But if you're not, if your only prize in that is that you've been there faithfully, if it's an attendance award, that's a problem. If you've been in the same community group and you, you have all met as the same community group for 10 or 12 years and you've never invited in new members, uh, that's probably a problem. You're probably serving yourselves and not the people around you. Why? Because those partnerships are supposed to be for the advancement of the gospel. And so if no new people have heard about the gospel through your community group, it's likely that you're serving your own purposes and not Christ's. So if you're going to be a saint who serves, you have to think about your service as something that's dynamic and not static. Because if it's just static, it's always staying the same, it's probably your purpose and not Christ's. So it's going to increase your spiritual maturity, in other words. If you are doing what you should be doing, if you're following Christ's will for your life, you should see an increase in spiritual maturity, resulting in better decisions and a better witness. I'm going to read 9 through 11 again uh, so we see what this looks like. Paul says to the Philippians, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's a maturing Christian. That's a maturing body if all of the believers, if all of the saints are living that way. That's not static. That's not people staying in the same spot. That's not people who are saints who refuse to serve. That's active and that's dynamic and that's people growing and changing, just like a body grows and changes over time. So this is God's prayer for us. This is who he wants us to be. This is his partnership plan for us. This is the purpose that he has for us. But things are going to get in the way. Uh, We are, again, saints called according to his purpose, called to be people of his own choosing. And if we believe that he died for us, if we believe that um, our old self has died and that our new life is with him in Christ, we can have not only a new identity, but a new sense of partnership, a new sense of purpose, right? But like I said, uh, saints aren't necessarily servants. So if we're not being servants, what does that mean? It means that uh, our salvation, while it has the power, right, to, for, for us to live as Christ lived and to work uh, for others and with others, the flesh could get in the way. That's what it could mean to be a saint uh, who is not serving. We're just blinded by the fact that we've done bad things, we're blinded by the fact that we, uh, we sometimes want to continue to do bad things even though we've accepted Christ. And Jesus is telling us through Paul here, the Holy Spirit is telling us through Paul here, don't think of yourself that way. Don't allow yourself to, to think, I'm, I'm awful, I'm dirty, I'm, I'm nasty, because that's not who you are in Christ. He didn't die so that you could think of yourself as a sinner He died so that you could think of yourself as a saint because that's who he is calling you to be. That's who he enables you to be with his death and his resurrection. So if you're not serving, if you're a saint who's an ineffectual or ineffective saint, if you're blinded by your past or about uh, by your temptation, know that you don't have to be. But it means stepping out in faith. It means serving. It means choosing to serve. So if you're going to be a saint who serves, You need to form partnerships with other believers. You need to reach out to other men and other women and other children in the gospel uh, as members of the faith. And you need to say, what can I do for you? Just in the same way the Philippians reached out to Paul 
and they said, what can we do for you physically right now that you're in prison? Or what can we do for you to advance the gospel when you get out of prison? You want to share it with other people. How can we support you? Whether that's in prayer or monetarily or whatever it is, we want to, uh, we want to partner with you. And so that's important. If you're going to be a saint who's effective, if you're going to be a saint who serves, you've got to partner with other believers. You have to submit to the Holy Spirit because he's the one who enables that perfect harmony. Uh, we saw here previously in... Uh, chapter 1 in verse 6 and 7, Paul saying, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus does this in us. You're not on the hook to do this for yourself. You don't have to get up tomorrow morning and say, I need the power and I need the gumption and I need the will to just be a better saint. No, Jesus is doing this in you, but you have to submit to his will. You have to say, I'm going to allow you to do this in me. When I have a decision before me, I'm going to allow your purpose to stand in place of mine. I'm going to allow you to choose the path for me. You say, well, I don't know how to, I don't know how to hear God's will for my life. That's why we have the word of God. That's why he gives us his revelation, both in the world around us and in the specific written word of God. If you're not reading it, if you're not paying attention to the way God's working in the world, of course you don't have his will for your life. Why would you? But he's giving you his revelation, so pay attention to it. Read it. We've asked you uh, during this sermon series to consider writing out the book of Philippians because it can be hard to focus sometimes. But Philippians is a short book. It's four chapters in most Bibles. Um, it's only a few pages. If you have study notes, it's maybe uh, 10 pages. If you don't have study notes, it's probably two. It's a very short book. We encourage you to write it out so that you can focus on it as you read it because this is how we know God's will for our life, by listening to what he says. So submit to the will of the Father because he is going to do this work in you. He's going to bring you uh, to a place of completion when he returns. But also, if you're going to be a saint, you need to serve with his purpose. You need to stop thinking about all of the things that you consider as purposes for your own life now and start uh, thinking about all of the things that he has called you to understand as purposes for your life. I'm going to read to you from Colossians chapter 3 because this is just an amazing depiction of what it looks like uh, to serve Christ, to have his purposes be our purposes. Uh, this is Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17. And uh, like I said, one of the best depictions in scripture of what it looks like to have Christ's purposes as ours. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Make his purposes your purposes. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's your identity now, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior. You have died, your old self has died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So that's also part of your identity. You have this to look forward to. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these, you too once walked while you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." For here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And again, 
He is, Paul is not saying here in Colossians, get rid of all of these evil behaviors so that you can be saved. He's saying, because you have been saved, because you have been called according to his purpose to be a saint, get rid of all of these things. You don't have to do these things anymore. So get rid of them all. And now let his purpose be your purpose and form partnerships with other believers, gather together with them and let him work in you to increase your love for one another and for him. And here's the knowledge that you need. He says, starting in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the, Lord of, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, this is Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 17. What an amazing picture of what it means to have Christ's purpose be ours. And the, the encapsulation, right, the way that Paul ties this all up here at the end, verse 17, is a perfect verse to memorize. If you're going to let the word of God dwell richly in your heart, you might need to memorize some scripture. And this would be a great verse to start with. It's really short. You could do this before uh, you come to church next week. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does that mean? That means that you have Christ's purpose as your own. If you can't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you probably shouldn't do it. And if you can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do it for him. If you can work, if you can make money for your family, if you can provide for your family, if you can serve your family or the body of Christ or whomever else, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or a missionary. It just means that you have to do whatever he's called you to do in his name for his purpose. And to do that, you're going to have to know what he says about his purpose, and that's here in his word. So we want you to read it. We want you to study it. Um, we want you to understand it because it's going to enable you to live the life he's called you to live. One last time, if you are in Christ, you are a saint. You're a person set apart by God for his work. Think of yourself that way. Find your identity as a saint because that's who he calls you to be. That's who he understands you to be in himself. Uh, do this work. Do his work by serving him um, and serving others in the same way that he served you. In other places in scripture, Jesus tells us uh, that he wants us to live like he does with respect to other people. And how does Jesus serve others? He gives his life up for them. So be willing to serve others in this way. Form partnerships with others, giving up your life for them, knowing that God holds your life in his hand. He's going to take care of you. You don't need to worry about taking care of yourself. He's going to take care of you. So do his work, serve him, and do the work of the body of the Christ, uh, the work of the body of Christ with the other brothers and sisters that God has given you to help you. Don't do it alone. Because if you're trying to do it alone, you're you're doing it wrong. I can guarantee it. He did not design the body to be an individual member. He designed the body to be a collection of members, all with different gifts, all who can serve each other. So this is uh, the end, right? This is what we need from him to understand that we are not to flounder, not to, to look back at our old self and think that's who I should be. We are to look 
forward in confidence to Christ's purpose for us, to, to do whatever we do in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's his calling on our lives. But in order to do that, like I said, we're going to have to be spending time in his word. We're going to have to be uh, putting it in our hearts, as it says in Colossians, letting it dwell richly within us, uh, encouraging other members of the body, those other partners we have with things like psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, because these are the tools, the resources he's given us to sustain these partnerships and to help us as saints to take on his purpose as our own. So if you want that today, uh, we want it for you. If you have questions about how do I do this practically in my life, we want you to ask us. Uh, contact us at graceb3.org. That's, that's our email addresses. It's always the pastors. It's always the first name, last initial, and um, graceb3.org. So you can get me there, Josh H. at graceb3.org. We want to know what your questions are about how you live this out, about how you make Christ's purposes your own, because we want to help you do that. That's why we're here. And we want you to feel like you are saints, not just uh, know it intellectually, but gravitate toward it and grab onto it and say, yes, that's who I am in Christ. Uh, because this is who called, uh, Christ called us to be, and this is who he's enabling us to be. So we want that for you. You pray with me? God, I praise you for this word. Uh, we praise you for this revelation from you that we can be saints, that we can have this identity in you which is not sinner, uh, not dirty, not awful, but truly called by you according to your purpose to do your will. We praise you, Lord, that you've given us other men and women to be partners with in this. Just as the Philippians partnered with Paul to advance the gospel, we can partner with one another to advance the gospel in this place, in Iowa, uh, and across the country, and across the world. And we can do it, Lord, uh, not for ourselves, but for your purpose. We thank you for that, too, that your purpose, which is perfect, is given to us, and that we can have uh, a life that's characterized by abounding love, like growing love and growing knowledge and growing discernment. All these things we can have in you because you have accomplished everything in your death on the cross. Your, your life is sufficient, Lord, for all that we need, and we just we thank you and praise you that we have access to it. Lord, help us to understand what it means to submit to your will, uh, to let your spirit reign in our hearts and lives, and we ask, Lord, that uh, we would do this today, right now, that we would go from this place uh, listening to your, your spirits leading in our hearts and our lives and doing the will of the Father just as you yourself did. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Have a good week, everyone. Uh, go in grace and do the will of the Father.